Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season, and this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. The New York Knicks are one of the biggest underdog surprises of the season. So you could probably make some money off the backs of players like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Julius Randle. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with episode 33 for season two. I did that backwards there, but it doesn't matter. As the New York Rangers get a win to end the month of March and rally for an April in which will be an absolute grind as the schedule kind of softens up and the Rangers are going to look to climb back into the standings and hopefully grab a playoff spot. But first, I have to ask Andy, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Um, tired. Work has been kind of crazy. But, uh, yeah, the Rangers continue to be pretty consistently inconsistent. But there's plenty of ups to go with the downs. And I feel like the downs, at least lately, that's not as egregious as early in the season or some of the things we were seeing last year. It's like, you know, if you lose... A g- drop a game to the Capitals, which are points percentage-wise one of the top teams in the league, and then you come back and you have a pretty good showing against them, or at least a come-from-behind rally. I mean, yeah, that's a good thing. They can hang with these teams, and that's uh, yeah, that's a good thing. It's also can obviously be very frustrating because unlike teams where the expectation is pretty low, i.e., uh, you know, the Sabers and Ottawa and Detroit's of the world. It's frustrating when you see how good this team can be, but at the same time, they're inconsistent or plagued with 
you know, uh, honestly, though, and, and I think we'll get into it in this podcast, I think the Rangers' biggest problem right now is I just don't know if there's, they have that belief that comes with being in the, you know, being in the, uh, this league a long time that they can kind of manufacture your own confidence to come from behind. But they were able to do it uh, the other night. And yeah, that was a, that was a real promising sign. So that's something I'm, I'm sure I want to talk about. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely want to talk about that. I mean, looking at this entire season, I, I can't really recall many times in where we came down uh, or we came back when we were down. And to come back against the, you know, Washington Capitals, who have been playing very good hockey lately, and, you know, beat them and then beat them convincingly, not just tie it and then lose into overtime, but we beat them, we take the lead, and then, you know, we, you know, keep the, the pedal to the metal and, and just, you know, win with authority. And I feel like that's a huge step for us because that, that just doesn't happen. And, you know, I, I don't really like to look into who really gets the game tying and the game, the go-ahead goals, really. But, you know, having Kako score that goal really makes it that much sweeter. And I think the team looks at that win and says, you know, we have a month left of real hockey left, right? We have an opportunity here to win some games. They have to be looking at their schedule and saying, man, we play Buffalo awful a lot. We play, you know, the Devils a lot. You know, we can beat these teams and go on our little run here and, you know, maybe catch the Pittsburgh Penguins, the New York Islanders, or, you know, the Boston Bruins, you know, those teams are going to go on a skid eventually, you hope. If not, then there's nothing you can do about it. But, you know, you don't want to be the team that falls short because of your own, you know, unraveling. You want to be the team that, you know, makes a run for it, gives it, you know, their all, their best, and, and learns from an experience of falling short. So, you know, Andy, you know, looking at, you know, the Washington game, you know, what did you see that was different compared to so many times where we fall to zero, we might get that next goal, but we eventually just fall short? Yeah, like I said, I think it comes down to uh, the fact that this team is relatively young, and I don't, I don't th- think there's just not enough belief to kind of stick with what's working, especially as they fall deeper and deeper into a hole. But I think that's for the first time we saw that the other day uh, against Washington because it kind of looked like a repeat where Washington, again, is all smothering the Rangers, not giving them much time to do anything and easy, breaking out of their own end pretty quite easily and not they're evading pressure easily and then the Rangers slowly kind of turn it on. But usually it's like it's a little too late. They pour it on when it's almost like garbage time where it's I think there's that belief that it's you're only playing for your personal pride and they, they're always able to get one, which is great. But, you know, at the same time, I think it's not never like we're going to win this game. And we finally kind of saw that. And yeah, it obviously helps when Panarin is being Panarin. Um, Kako had his best, maybe his best game as a Ranger. He was one of the best players on the ice. Uh, and to see him get rewarded with Panarin and Strom was really nice because he, he does a lot of the un- Obviously, Panarin, like I said, is Panarin and Strom is those two just have chemistry and can find each other almost anywhere. But, you know, Kako, I finally saw him doing a lot of things that because I was always kind of worried that his style of possession off the boards maybe won't work so well with those two because he can't really like play pitch and catch and his vision isn't as good as theirs. But at the same time, he started kind of using his body to do the the unheralded things like pulling players to him and 
backing up players with his uh, footwork and yeah, and just kind of setting little picks and going to the net and that type of stuff. It allowed them to, you know, uh, Panarin and Strom to do their thing. And then he's wide open for an easy goal. You know what I mean? And just his ability to keep possession. Yeah. It was awesome to see. Cause it's like, if he can just, if he can just play like that with them for now on, he'll, he'll have a promising uh, sophomore season, you know? So, uh, yeah. And I just think it's a microcosm of what this team's at. I just think slowly they're, they'll, they'll all get there, you know, Lafreniere included, uh, Heedle, same thing, even though I think he's kind of just getting over the hand and, and COVID, but, uh, he's always a good one-on-one individual player. And now he's just kind of getting comfortable finding, or maybe I should say get confident is the, the operative word, getting more confident, finding his teammates, using his teammates. And yeah, I just think this team as a whole there, it seems like they're trending in that direction. So even if they're losing games, I like the fact that they respond the next game. Although, you know, I still wish they would show up on time to play a game, you know, because they're still yes, coming out flat a little too much for my liking. Yeah, the the flatness coming out, yeah, just I feel like every game against these bigger teams, like you can't really put yourself in a position down to nothing to start the game. And it's great that we came back and all, but, you know, being in that position in the first place is, is not ideal. You know, um you know watching the rangers play the last like couple weeks i do feel like and and i don't know if this had anything to do with quinn getting covid and being out and and kind of coaching staff change but i do feel like the new york rangers have been a little bit different and i can even actually go back even further and say when panarin rejoined the rangers after his little hiatus that the rangers have kind of blossomed into this team where you know I think people look at and put a spotlight on Kako and Lafreniere but not so much them but just the entire team in general has kind of played a little bit more of a complete game and I don't feel like we're that that remedial building rebuilding team that is going to struggle to win game I, I really do feel like we're at the cusp of you know breaking out and um you know, in, in the stock world and in the stock market, you know, you, you'll have a stock, right? And it kind of flatlines a little bit, right? And it, people accumulate shares and it doesn't go really up or down. It kind of just stays there until one day, you know, people have accumulated enough and they just let it run, right? And it skyrockets. That's what I kind of feel like the Rangers are doing right now. And, you know, they, they lose two games, they win two games, they lose two games, they win two games. And I'm really like hoping that maybe the month of March is our month, Andy, where, you know, we kind of, you know, look at the situation, uh, look at the game against Washington and we kind of bounce off and propel ourselves into, you know, a huge winning streak or, you know, a winning streak where we take, you know, eight of nine games. Because if you look at our schedule, we absolutely can do something like that. Now, now, what do you attribute, you know, most of this to? Like, is this, you know, Panarin being a good leader, Mika kind of finding his stride and leading the way. Like, where is this more consistent play coming from? Because we, we've always said they played well in the D zone. So I don't think it's like them playing defense first and, and you know, the goals will come mentality. You know, what exactly is going on here? I do think it's a matter of, like I alluded to earlier, just that whole, just incremental steps by m- most of the younger guys taking on a bigger role, almost maybe 
losing a little bit of the imposter syndrome that happens early on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether that's, and that's, you know, I, I don't, cause obviously our, our early in the season, they were mired with a, a, a bunch of problems between, you know, Mika just obviously being ravaged by the effects of COVID and Panarin with missing time with that whole, you know, thing that went on with him. And then you obviously, you have your, your DiGiuseppe's and your Howden's and your Blackwell's and, you know, even he Rooney's like the these injury. guys trying to, yeah, heels injury, these guys trying to play up in a lineup, maybe in spots they were a little over their heads in, you know, but now everyone's kind of more seated and where they're comfortable and they can get some time and get some reps and feel, like I said, you, you feel like oh, you they're figuring out how to make their situations work, all of them. And it's, you know, different things for different guys. You know what I mean? What what Lafreniere needs is trying to work through, and what Kako are work, you know, just they're different situations than what a Di Giuseppe is going through, or you know, even like a Brendan Smith and the Libor Hayek. But um, I just think incrementally they've all taken little steps, and uh, I think it was bound to happen. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, I as critical as I've been of David Quinn at times and his staff and some of his decisions, I just, I do think ultimately, you know, for everything he does bad, I do think for the most part, you know, and we can obviously get into an ice time <laughs> to talk about the ice time thing later. It's clear they're trying to, but I do think that right now playing to, with the, the belief that they can try to get into the playoffs is, is helping them the most, especially seeing you know Lafreniere and, and Kako on the other side of the puck really trying to give it their all and play much better defensively you know what I mean as 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 first and second year players which is pretty crazy because you know I just you know watching uh some of the, like the other games around the league I'm watching you know the Jets and the the Maple Leafs and I'm watching at the team defense that's going on and it's not a lot you know what I mean oh, I'm like no. that's, so yeah and, uh and yeah, sorry. What are you gonna say? No, I was, and you know, it's 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 great to see that, and I really do think though that you know those teams they get to a point, and I guess this is more of a question for you. The you know the Toronto Maple Leafs and and teams like even like the Edmonton Oilers and teams that are just like high octane offense and they're just go 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 all the time. You know, is that really sustainable? And like, would you say that has been the problem in those two organizations where it's like? Where's the structure? Where's where's the team game that wins you a Stanley Cup? Like it's great that they're scoring all these goals and you know, you know, and you know, they're winning hockey games, which is great. And you know, Toronto obviously playing in that North Division kind of has a chance to beat up on a lot of teams every night given their offensive ability. Jeez, I am rough shape right now. Um <laughs> you and you and me both. Yeah, I hear you. Um you know, it's just like is this the sustainable and, you know, are the Rangers going to be better in the long run for having kind of this attention to detail that they seem to be having? Yeah, I definitely think they will. And even if it's under a new tutelage of a, a who, you know, maybe it's not David Quinn, maybe it's in someone else. But, you know, whenever it's time for them to go to finishing school, which is the big picture things like uh, maybe more systems based play like a Barry Trotz or hell even a Peter Laviolette because mm -hmm. like I said they they don't quite have that thing that some of those older teams like the Penguins and the Capitals have just been playing with each other forever 
knowing that I can just, if I'm in trouble, I can just kind of blindly feather this on my backhand to the corner and my teammate will be there. You know what I mean? Whereas the Rangers are still like doing everything off of their own individual effort and skill. And, 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 you know, that's the great thing about this lineup is the Rangers have so much skill, you know, and forwards that can put the puck in the net. But at the same time, can you imagine how good they're going to be when they have that same sort of like team, just overall team ESP and chemistry from like a couple of seasons of playing each, with each other? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or at least with similar cores, just knowing what the tendency are. Yeah, it's a scary thing to think about. They don't even have that. And, you know, like I said, the fact that this team is because really you can argue, I mean, the rain. Listen, we know how good. Or how when when they want to be, how good this Rangers team can be. But like, if you ask other people around or other fans of other teams around the league who maybe don't watch so much Rangers, you're, you're like, who are the elite Rangers? And they're like, oh, Panarin and and Zibanejad. And that's kind of it. That's two guys. And you know, they don't really understand how good Adam Fox is, or that Buchnevich is like a legit, you know, first line forward. Maybe he's uh, more of a second line guy on a on a really stacked team, but he's also he definitely looks the part of a first line forward. You know, he's leading the team in points or he's close to it. I don't know if Panarin passed him, but um he will soon, I'm sure. But uh yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is that this this team has I just think that our next step and we'll I you hopefully we see it next year is that you finally get those con- contributions from some of the younger guys that we've been waiting for and then all of a sudden this team has depth like with a capital d you know what i mean because it's one thing to have these guys that you're penciling in you know what they'll what they'll produce when they're you know mature but like i said youngest team in the league and what you know they're trying to figure they're still learning you know they're still kind of getting their sea legs and you know this is adam fox in here too can you imagine you know how much more he's got you know just to you know, it's crazy to think that this might not even be the best we see out of him. You know what I mean? Well, it's uh, I mean, I'll ask you straight wild up to right think now. about. I, I mean, I personally think like, I mean, Adam Fox to me has the opportunity to be a top three defenseman in the National Hockey. Like, like absolutely, he's, he's that good. And you know, looking at his stats, four goals, twenty six assists, you know, for thirty points in thirty four games, and I feel like that is like almost like. A, an understatement of how good he's actually been. And he is like, he dominates every single game and his patience is, is beyond elite at this point. Uh, Just his vision, everything he does is just elite. And, you know, he, I think will eventually get the recognition that he deserves. I think a lot of people, um, they attach themselves to these names and they kind of run with it and they want that narrative to work you know, the McCarr versus Hughes, who's the best defenseman. Well, Adam Fox is coming. And, and truthfully, right now, if I had to pick, you know, you know, McCarr is on a special team with, and he's a very special player, and I don't want to take anything, you know, from him. But if I say yeah. I had to compare Fox versus Hughes, I mean, how could you say you'd rather have Hughes right now? No, yeah. I mean, I think at this point, it's, it's clear that uh, Fox is probably a better and that's not to say Hughes can't, because, you know, listen, Fox is a little bit older than, than Hughes, and that's not to say that Hughes can't get there. I just think, if, listen, the season McCarr was happening before he got hurt, uh, you could argue that at, just in terms of when he's on the ice, what he can do with his natural skill and speed and skating is 
probably unmatched in this league. But that being said, Adam Fox, like maybe a little bit better defensively. Right. You could probably argue. And also he, you look at, uh, he's playing some of the, the toughest minutes in the league right now. And yet he still kind of leads all defensemen and expected goals for he's a, that's ahead of Hedman and he's only three points behind Victor Hedman. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. And I mean, listen, he's having a Norris caliber season, but listen, McAvoy had a Norris caliber season last year. And just because he's too young, it just, you have to kind of be in, they, you need, they like the hockey, uh, intelligentsia needs you to be like i don't know a certain age and be kind of around the conversation and it's like usually takes guys a little bit it's like they don't get when they should win the norris they don't but then a few seasons later they get it as like a achievement award you know type thing yeah and i so i also don't think that i think your team has a lot to do with it because there there there's a lot to say for a defenseman who you know can can really hone his offensive game because he doesn't really need to worry about playing defense. Like, Makar has the privilege of knowing that the Avalanche scores six goals on any given night. And, you know, defense doesn't need to be their, you know, their mainstay, you know? Whereas Adam Fox is like, well, he's got to defend first and then, you know, allow the offense to kind of blossom from there. What is up, Devils fans? It's your boy, Neil Villapiano. Make sure you check out the Devils State of Mind podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. From Taylor Hammer Porkroll to how much we hate the Rangers, we got you covered. New episodes every Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Hockey Podcast Network website. And always remember to rock on. Woo! Like you said, it's he's Adam Fox is I don't think many people penciled that besides maybe you and I pencil this Rangers team in as a playoff team but you look at just you know between advanced metrics and even just basic stats it's like uh oh look at this since the start of his rookie year he's one of only three defensemen in the NHL who have recorded at least 60 points and have posted a plus 30 rating or better along with him Dougie Hamilton and Victor Hedman like that's crazy. You know what I mean? He he's his time on ice per game is pretty crazy right now. He's logging heavy minutes. And I do want to take this moment to give a shout out to Ryan Lindgren cuz you know, it's not this is not a case of Fox simply uh dragging Lindgren around all as impressive as that would be. You know, Lindgren has really improved worked on his game to play with Fox and he compliments him because the player that he is now is really not the player he was when he was drafted. He was definitely more of a stay at home guy who just kind of closed people off and he still has that but he never had the the he his skating wasn't as good as it is now he clearly worked on that a lot and uh yeah you just see the way he kind of him and fox kind of read off each other and you'll see lindgren do a lot like he'll look over to see what fox is doing and sometimes if he sees him go back he'll be aggressive and he'll start using his feet to kind of find lanes because he obviously doesn't have the poise that fox has but he's just re- you know, he's really done a good job of turning himself into a, a good NHL defenseman. He's probably not a first pairing defenseman without Fox, but he's at least a second pairing defenseman. And together, they're just a perfect pair. You know what I mean? And so kudos to him. But back back to Adam Fox, it's just, yeah, I mean, the fact that, and the great thing is that 
I think just because his game is predicated off of his brain, it should age pretty well. Cause it's like, you look at these guys that their games are so much predicated on their explosivity and their escapability and their skating. Whereas Fox doesn't have to do that. He just pumps a head fake or two and he gets guys looking one way and then he just kind of goes the other way. You know what I mean? And while he's gliding in the neutral zone, it's pretty crazy. Just he's his just economy and he makes it look so easy. You know, he just buys himself so much natural time and space. Kind of like Patrick Kane, which is weird to think about, but it's the same kind of the same thing. It just, you know, it's like how it's like, why did you give him that ice? It's like, well, you can't really tell. But then when you look at the game tape, it's like Adam Fox quickly just it's not even like a like a big bite. It's just he just kind of looks right. Like he almost fakes. He fakes twice. He fakes where he wants to go initially, then kind of head fakes to where he looks like he's going to try to juke a guy. So then the guy bites, and then he just goes where he was intending to go. And he, but he does that in, in like in real time. It's crazy to watch. And at the NHL level, it's like I tried juking people out, and they just don't even move. Where he does it, and he's getting NHL players to bite, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. what he's able. Yeah, and he does that. He does that thing where he kind of he's driving the outside, and he looks like he stops. He like changes gears a little bit, and then he just kind of skates right towards him and he almost like ducks under their under their reach a little bit where he's like just he kind of puts his shoulder out and ducks so he and he kind of holds the puck in front of him because he's literally just driving to the inside and it's almost takes him by surprise or like is this the guy coming at me like it's really weird but then he just kind of sails by them because they almost don't know what to do first their brain short circuits for a second because it literally everything about defending says like this guy knows i'm here he's not going to try to like go through me especially in adam fox but he does it in such a way that's so smart that it causes people's brains to just you know and he had that end-to-end goal this season he kind of scored it like that yeah where he just kind of fakes that he's gonna because he spends the whole game slinging you know passes from the back end and then he just kind of pretends to do that again he just dive dips his shoulder and he goes in on net and he scores you know either five hole like he went end to end against the devils and then he had just that beautiful uh play where panarin you know as he's exiting the zone does a little spinorama feathered back pass to fox who kicks it from his skate to his stick then he sucks the defender to get him to go down puts it on his his uh you know quickly draws it to his backhand but then just literally you know shovels it uh post you know near post down in and down you know what i mean and it was just oh man it was dirty i was I was in bed and I lost my mind. I was like, I couldn't believe we just did that. This kid is so fucking good. So yeah, man, he's just, he's, he's Adam Fox is the truth. I, and I would have given up, you know, eight for eight second round picks for him, you know? Yeah. And you know, his passing is one of the most deceiving passers, I think in the NHL right now, it, just like you never know when it's coming off his stick. And I think that's, that's what kind of short circuits because when you see him and he's got the puck on his stick, it's not even like you're worried that he's going to stick handle right through you. He just knows how to like push the puck in the direction and either go around you or he can send it. And he's so accurate and good at reading like the opponent's body language that he always makes the correct play. It's unbelievable. And it, it, it is crazy. Cause you know, I think Ranger fans in general are just ingrained into not having nice things. And Adam Fox is such a nice thing that I still like forget that we have him. And, you know, everyone, you know, talks about Panarin and, you know, and rightfully so. But Adam Fox is turning into the 1A player on this hockey team. And, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable and great to watch. And his leap from, we knew last year he was a special player, but, you know, 
for him to make this jump and be this dominant and to be this just amazing this second year is, I mean, man, it makes the case almost for Quinn, doesn't it? Because, you know, you hear, you know, everyone hates Quinn. He doesn't develop players. He doesn't give the allotted ice time, you know, uh, to these kids in order for them to develop. But then you do have guys like hey, Andre Miller and, and Adam Fox and, you know, you can even say, you know, Philip Beetle to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, it, you know, you get to the point here, you know, with, you know, Coach Quinn, and I kind of want to segue into this, Andy, is that, you know, Coach Quinn obviously isn't the coach right now. But how much longer, you know, can Ranger fans expect David Quinn to be the coach of this hockey team? Uh, you know, even if they don't make it to, into the playoffs this season, I, yeah, I mean, if it's one of those things where they're close, where they're just like, we're just on the outside looking in, I think. Because you didn't underachieve at know, that, that point then. Was that, What's up? Because, like, you got to look at, you know, what, how the team performed during the course of the season. You know, the, if they are almost a playoff team, you can't say they underachieved. They probably, you know. No, you would, you would just kind of say they're right on track, which is the, you know. Right. Which is probably what I think this they would do. I mean, if they were, listen, if they were playing more like they were playing early in the season, although you could argue there was more to play than just their own inexperience, then, yeah, I think they would definitely look into it. But yeah, listen, they 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 really rallied from behind. So all the fans on on Twitter who are like, see, like Knobloch, they win all these games, and then Quinn comes back, they clearly hate him. I'm like, they clearly that's that's not true. I mean, listen, the Flyers just lost. You know, the Sabers ended their their streak just now by is- beating the Flyers six one. I you could maybe argue those guys hate their coach. But I don't think I don't think the Rangers hate or the players anyway. Don't hate David Quinn. Maybe annoys them in some sense, but he, for the most part, they're clearly playing for one another and for the coaching staff. So that's that's not an issue. Um, well, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I like I said. I think I don't know if behind closed doors there's this belief that they're they have someone in mind, or then they're gonna pull the trigger once they think it's like all right. Now it's like these we've gotten these people up to speed and like we can get a coach who doesn't mind uh yeah who just doesn't mind play you know tr- playing to coaching to win as opposed to coaching to de- you know develop although i guess you could kind of argue that you know because there was all this talk about vino not being so much of a developmental coach and i mean that's true but at the end of the day like i said i think this team right now is getting more out of from guys like just I think, yeah, I think Lafreniere and Kako, like these, and Miller, these kids are getting more out of this, trying to feel like they're just, even if they're, it's, it's not the most integral part at this moment of this team, like they're an important part. And I love the fact that Lafreniere goes out of his way to, even with maybe it's, you'd think he would be deterred, but when they win, he's, no one's smiling and hugging people as, and, and as happy as him. You know what I mean? He cares about winning, and that's great. You know what I mean? So. I just said, you know what I mean? So many times I'm so tired. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's one of those things where Quinn is most likely safe for the time being. I expect to see him at the start of next season. Uh, that being said, it would be interesting if they, if the front office had a plan stashed away in a locked drawer somewhere, you know? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think back. Like I'm trying to make correlations between Quinn and like Tom Rennie. Remember when he, uh, you know, yeah. he was here. He kind of, 
develop this team and and i i feel like he was you know the guy that kind of you know put the motor in and fixed it up and 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 kind of sent the rangers on their way into you know a over a decade run of playing you know playoff hockey so you know i i'm kind of seeing quinn as you know you know that that type of coach where he is you know preparing this team for you know a future run and a future uh consistent playoff team that has a shot at the Stanley Cup every every year. This year though. Yeah. Or, or go ahead. No, you can <laughs> No. Yeah, well, I was just like you said cuz I was thinking about Tom Rennie and I was thinking about those those Rangers teams uh you know, and I mean they, I think what they under him they cuz yeah, he was kind of how he, how many years was he coach maybe for the Rangers? Maybe like 7. Seven-ish. You know, obviously he he did have that the Yager Strzok and Nylander line, right? But other than that, really didn't he did get a good amount out of, you know, maybe not the like the most players, but uh, and listen, but he had Shanahan and he had Yager and um, you know, like I said, Strzok and Nylander. So he was the head coach. But yeah, I think years. yeah, and I mean. Yeah, those teams didn't have the most talent, but at the same time, he kind of, I would say he definitely, it seems, his coaching style seems the most conducive with what I've seen out of Quinn and that. It doesn't really skew too heavily towards offense or defense, but it tries to be a good, you know, melding of the two. You know, sometimes you kind of wish, and I remember thinking this with Rennie at the same time, it's like, although you kind of had the disconnect between like I said, that top line just doing whatever they wanted and the rest of the lines having to play a totally different style of hockey because they weren't skilled enough to do that. But, um, yeah, I, it's I, what I what makes me feel better about this season is last year, like I said, too much hero play stuff, which was great. You, you kind of took the governor off Panarin and, and Zibanejad in the regular season, and it was great, but then they kind of had that, that heart rude awakening in the, in the playoffs against the Hurricanes, or the plans, I should say. And now... This style that they're playing is more predicated on structure and being able to keep things close and tight and then break through that. And they're not going to be perfect at it overnight, but it's definitely like we spoke about earlier, it will definitely serve them in the future. It will, you know, you hope it it sticks in their DNA. Uh, And yeah, I mean, like I said, the I remember the Flyers, even though they've kind of had their ups and downs the last few seasons, they at least have been a pretty competent team. And you look at just how poor defensively they've become under Vino in the last two years. It's crazy, you know, because his, that style just taxes your goaltender and your defenseman. Cause they leave them, they stretch the ice and leave everyone kind of exposed. And if they're not up to the task, then it, it looks ugly. Hence why, you know, the Sabres just put up six on them and the Rangers put eight and, and nine up on them. You know what I mean? So, uh, or was it seven, eight, whatever. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of goals. Yeah, so, eight and nine or nine and eight. Um, yeah, and it's just it, you just can't pl- that's just not conducive to success. So obviously, I take much joy in watching you know another team go through the same hardships we as Rangers fans came with, or the reckoning we went through. You know, because obviously we had Lundqvist to to kind of and yeah, and I guess the Canucks fans who had had Luongo for to hide the warts of those systems, but uh oh, and also because. Obviously, if if Buffalo had lost again, like the Rangers definitely would have been the team to oh, like 1, break their streak. So, 
So this is good. It kind of takes that pressure off. You know what I mean? It's like they already broke the streak. Maybe they'll have a little confidence. And so even if they lose one, drop one of those games to Buffalo, you know, you don't, you're not like, oh, we're the team that like Buffalo finally beat, you know, to the horrible, how many games was it? Was it like 17 in a row? I believe 17, 17. Oh my God. Yeah. It, That's the thing though, dude. Like that is, it's he, a story. I don't care. Like it's great. They got a win, but like, how long does it take your organization to get over something like that? Like, no, it doesn't matter. You can't like whatever, no matter what happens next year, you could bring in a, I don't, I feel like you could bring in a whole new group of guys, but as long as you've one or two players who are on this team from this year, it's in the walls, that type of stuff, man. And that's what I think the biggest thing the Rangers are trying to avoid why they always keep their sights at high. And sometimes it might seem futile and kind of, you know, frustrating because it's like they're you. You, you almost feel like the head, the 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 head and the the hands and feet are doing three totally different things. But I mean, you know, like I said, I think right now being a part of a winning atmosphere and kind of the buy-in you're getting from the young guys right now, at least defensively, is definitely going to be the biggest predicator of their success in the future. Yeah, and. And you know, looking at Buffalo just in general, they next year they need to go, just like go back permanently to the uh, um, not the slug form, the uh, the red, black, and white uniform. Oh yeah, with the Buffalo head. Yeah, they should do a they should do a rebrand. Yeah, just like all right, we're those are our permanent jerseys for the year. We'll come back to maybe the old Buffalo logo and jerseys after because they need to forget this year ever happened. I wouldn't even put you know names on the back of the jerseys. I would just leave him blank and just kind of play. I mean, 17 in a row is insane. Granted, I know you're, you're yeah. missing Eichel, but no excuses. Um, so the Rangers have the Buffalo Sabres Thursday and Saturday. Now, I say this almost every game, but this is really it's getting to the point where every game is a must win. And these are four points that the Rangers must have if they just want to play, be in contention. Because they do have Pittsburgh back-to-back um, Tuesday, Thursday, the following week. So, again, Andy, I, I have to, you know, ask you, because we've had some good luck with this. You know, what are your expectations looking at, you know, the next, you know, week of our schedule, which is basically just Buffalo, Buffalo? Like you said, they have to, to take both games. You can, and that's the thing, they're, they're not catching you. You can give them an overtime point. That's fine, but you have to win both games, right. like you said. You know, obviously, it's great if they can take be, take points from, even though they'll never catch them. But you can get beat opponents you're probably on paper not supposed to fare well against, which is great. But at the same time, if you're losing the games that are easily win or should be easily winnable, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Then it's all for moot. It's all you know. It's a moot point. So yeah, they two must win games. Uh, and like you said, I think it's you if you have the confidence that's the other thing the rangers are notoriously play down to their opponents you know what i mean like you just beat the capitals with fully staffed who are one of the best teams in the league points percentage wise you know what i mean so you can hang with any team in the league but you have to believe it and then you have to take that mentality and say we're playing this buffalo team and they're probably feeling good about themselves because they finally (laughs) beat you know they finally ended their streak and they they clobbered Pittsburgh or whatever, and their young guys finally scored some goals. You need to give them a reality check. You know what I mean? And show them the difference between a playoff, like 
they have to believe it. They have to have that belief that we spoke about at the beginning of this podcast. They have to manufacture their own confidence in themselves. And yeah, they have to believe it. So they need to, they need four, four out of those four points and looking forward even to Pittsburgh, you know, cause then what they play Pittsburgh back to back. Yep. You know, I like, I guess realistically you'd like them to get, um, yeah, you'd like them to get six out of a possible eight. Um, but will they get that? Uh, I don't know. That's tough, you know, but they almost kind of have to, right? You just have to, cause they have to, it's, they to catch Boston or you know so Boston um, Pittsburgh and Islanders are all kind of in the same boat they they have 36 games played and 48 points that's Islanders and Pittsburgh Boston has only 32 games played so four less games but they have seven less points so you have to figure you know you just have to assume that they win those games so they're at 49 points the New York Rangers have you know uh 35 games played with 36 points so they're, you know, they're 10 points out. You got to look at it that way. They're 10 points out and, you know, they got to start closing the gap. And that means you have to beat Buffalo. And that means you have to, I, I'm sorry, the, the even, you know, I know we're going to go into the next week, but April 6th and 8th, you played the Pittsburgh Penguins. You have to have three or four of those points, three out of four. And then you play Islanders back to back. Again, three out of four. Like you can't afford to lose. Like, this is it. This is the final month of the season. I know the games go, they trickle into May. But if you look at May, they have Islanders, two against the Caps, and two against the Boston Bruins. If you want those last two games against the Boston Bruins that mean anything, that means you got to be stealing three out of four points when you play these teams. So, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, yeah, the, the road ahead of them, it doesn't necessarily get any easier. Uh, especially I think, you know, now that it looks like our schedule is even in, even in this condensed, uh, conference because all, they're all condensed, but just play, you know, playing, uh, New Jersey four games in a row, playing so many games versus them and the Islanders just like in succession. It's just, yeah, those like, you know, after, after clobbering Philly twice, they were hungry for that for that win you know what i mean and they played the rangers hard and they got it so and that's the other thing if you play washington again soon it's like they're gonna kind of remember tom wilson was jawing at the end of that game so you don't you can't take it's gonna be hard to take teams by surprise when you play them in close succession you know what i mean it's just gonna kind of come down to may okay so they're good there so maybe maybe tom wilson can calm, calm down a little bit but but like I said, it's gonna. The more you play these teams, they just remember how you beat them and what your habits are, and they make their adjustments, and it kind of just becomes my kung fu versus your kung fu. So, yeah, they're gonna have to maximize. They're gonna, like I said, I think the biggest thing is they have the talent. They just and they they have the structure and they're the way their special teams is going right now. It's great. They're finally getting power play goals, but they're still maintaining a pretty good penalty kill. Um, they just have to literally stay confident and stick win it but uh easier said than done right yeah man i mean I, I look at this team and obviously i said from the beginning roller coaster type season and it's been nothing but that so you know what my expectations for this month is is it's got to be more of the same right you got to expect some sort of roller coaster up and down up and down we're due for an up so uh, you know, I, I expect them to beat Buffalo. I really do. I, I think this group believes in themselves. 
and you know they like the situation that they're in in terms of um uh, you know the balance of you know being able to score goals and playing defense they they play a brand of hockey that they should be certainly proud of and you know there is absolutely no reason that the New York Rangers can't leave Buffalo with four points and head into Pittsburgh and feel like hey we have a shot here no you're absolutely right and like I said before, it does. You do get the sense that they're feeling more and more like a team, and you kind of get that, like, oh, you you kind of feel it. The feel that we expect that we can make a run here and we can get in, and you kind of it's you sense it down the pike uh, at the end of last season, or at least in the back half where they went on that run, and it was enough for them to get into the play-ins anyway. So. And you're starting to feel that again. I think Igor, the way Igor is playing right now, the fact that even if, if a goal gets scored or even two goals, he kind of shakes it off and just keeps competing for pucks and that helped the team kind of follow suit. You know, if he had given up uh, or mentally crumbled after those goals, which weren't necessarily even his fault, you know, just kind of things happen, a guy blows a coverage or whatever, then it would have, that game versus, that last game versus Washington would have been over, but he just kept fighting and he, he has that 10 bell save off the post. And it almost, I was cringing because it looked like the same thing, how he injured himself exploding over, but he gets over and he saves it and he just looks calm and cool and collected. And he just, yeah, just save the next puck and just make the next play. And I think that's when they, you believe that your process, you, if you believe you have it all in, you know, if they have it all within themselves to play the way to, to beat any team they, they want or to go as far as they, they feel they can get then yeah and that's that manufactured confidence we're talking about but uh yeah they have to win these two games obviously because and i know we've said that so much this season but when you're in this competitive division and you're this uh, inconsistent of a young team yeah you have to win the must-win games and they've kind of lost some of those must-win games but at the same time they've also surprised by winning some games that you probably thought they shouldn't you know so that's the only reason they're still somewhat in it so they're they're treading water so let's see if they can, you know, finally uh, gain some ground here. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. And please rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.